What's up, Internet? You're tuning in episode 73 of the Steam Deck Podcast, Split Screen Games weekly gaming podcast all about Valve's portable PC powerhouse, the Steam Deck. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by my very good friends and co-hosts, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello, hello. And Mr. Max Wright. Ahoy, ahoy. Boys are back in town, everybody. We re- oh, yes. we're reunited. Finally, it's been so long. So long since we've all been together. Man, you we, picked two awful weeks to miss, too, you know? Oh, yeah. Big episodes. We missed you, buddy. Yeah, we really did, brutal. especially when it got technical. <laughs> uh, you know, it's for two two good reasons. So, uh, yeah. you know, I'm back. Sadly, I missed missed uh, two good episodes. I'd love to get Bob back on the show because uh, I'd love to Definitely. kind of talk talk about um, nerdy stuff with him. I yeah, would, yeah, uh, yeah. He, he already like... agreed to a meeting of the minds, so we'll we'll definitely have him back on uh, mm. at some point in the future. Probably when there's I've a new been... piece of hardware to talk about. Yeah, I'd be interested, Steve, if you get a chance to ever listen back. If uh, we butchered any of the the stats and facts to see if uh... well, I think last we did good episode where you're like six is bigger than four, so that's gonna be the better one. You know, it was like <laughs> it was like okay, sure. I mean, I guess you're right. Yeah. Was, was were we right on that one? <laughs> this fucking Bigger guy does usually you know, whenever whenever there he meets, whenever he misses the show he's he's like i'll put the notes together gives me no context you know nothing <laughs> gives us nothing and he's like oh you said one number you know you could have told us what you thought if you wanted you hey, know, that, that was max's idea last week that was max's uh that was max's um topic that he chose yeah, yeah but, you, know, you could write in and, and contribute from from my side, I'll contribute now. Those are complete nonsense. That's not a leak. It was someone making it up on a forum. Yeah, <laughs> that is never going to happen. Do you think I? Do you think I uh, said that enough on the show? I think so. Yeah, and yeah. Th- th- it was just too. It's too high powered for that for a Steam Deck. You can't. They've already said they don't want to go above the the fifteen watt TDP. So there's no chance. Well, anyway, we're not here to talk about last week's show. Let's talk about this week's show, because we're going to talk about the game that's on everybody's lips this week, Power World, uh, which is, of course, breaking records across Steam. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit today about how it plays on deck. Um, you know, we've had a, a couple of people from the community write in with questions about performance and kind of, um, you know, how, how, it, how it handles on our, on our, our favorite handheld. Right. And um, I've been mm-hmm. playing the game. I was uh, gifted a copy by a friend of the show, uh, Snackago, who uh, you can go check out on YouTube. He's actually got a new video out that you can check out all about Final Fantasy 16 if you're so inclined. Um, thanks again for the code, buddy. And uh, I have been playing the game quite a bit. Uh, we recorded an episode of Nintendo Noise that you can go check out now um, where we broke down all the controversy around the game and kind of the ongoing accusations of plagiarism and, you know, all all of that stuff we've covered very thoroughly on that episode. So if you're interested in hearing our thoughts about that, you can go check that out over there. Um, But when we recorded that episode, I had only put a few hours into the game where at this point, I think, you know, I'm I'm probably closer to like 10, maybe eight to 10, 12 hours um, in. So I definitely have a lot more, solid thoughts on on the moment-to-moment gameplay and everything which i'm i'm excited to get into in a minute but uh but before we do that i think it's worth just giving you guys the context of how massive this game's launch has been if you haven't been keeping up with the story uh as of this recording right the game is sold 8 million copies on steam in six days uh that's not taking into account the fact that it also had a release on xbox game pass and is available there so we don't even really know what the full scope of the player base is but 
8 million sold copies in six days is obviously nothing to sneeze at. Um, they've made over $180 million. Uh, if you, if you do your steam math there, um, which I think is probably point, like well over 200 million yeah, at this point. Yeah. Cause that number was from wow. the Nintendo noise episode where I think they had only sold 6 million copies. So at this point, they're probably well over 200 million made in, in just a week, which is obviously massive for, for any video game, let alone, uh, an indie, you know, studio, uh, with a smaller team. Right. So, um, the other big thing, right, that's that's relevant for our conversation here is that uh, the number of concurrent players in the game, right, has um, become the second highest of all time in Steam history, uh, beating out Counter-Strike 2 and uh, putting it only behind uh, PUBG at 3.2 million. Uh, its current record is 2. So, you know, um, obviously the game's only been out for a week and it's, it's continued to get attention. So the idea that, uh, you know, that it could take the top spot and, and, and hit that 3.2 million is still absolutely in the cards. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, it, I've said it all already, but it bears repeating, I think, what a huge win this oh, is yeah. for that team, right? Like this game has, has set the world on fire out of yeah. nowhere. I think when it was first announced, and I know you've already discussed this, but when it was first announced as like it was Pokemon with guns, and I remember looking at the trailer and thinking, all right, okay, one, there's no chance this releases uh, if it's if it really is going to just do Pokemon, but two, you know, it's just going to be a, you know, how, where does it go past that gimmick? And I think the fact that they've gone with a genre that is, you know, so endlessly popular, like like survival games seem to be, you know, Rust, Ark, all these games that that never don't go anywhere, you know, they're just always around. Um, I can see why it would have sort of quite a popular launch, but I do think that that when you take that and you combine it with the attention that that Pokemon has, it only really shows how strong the Pokemon IP is, as well as it shows how popular this game is. Um, and I, but I do think that it is snowballing, and the more attention it gets, the more attention it's gonna get, and it's just gonna sort of like roll and roll and roll and roll really until we get to, um, I don't know, like is it gonna is it gonna enter early access? Sorry, is it gonna come out of early access more popular than now? Or is it going to end up sort of staying this popular for the whole time? You know, it, it seems to be just going from strength to strength. But, um, but yeah, I, just, I don't know if this has got legs. That's the big question. I haven't played it, though. So, Pete? I mean, they've released their, their kind of roadmap. So at least I think people do have some kind of, of idea where things are going. And it doesn't seem like they're just going to put the game out, run away with the cash like maybe they did with their last two games, right? We saw the... The AI game that we spoke, the AI art game that we spoke about, and then they had that craft world game. Uh, with this, they've got like a, a core plan in place that they're going to address well, the player issues base, first. Right? Like it's yeah, like the game, the game is base. successful, but they, they're planning on adding PvP, raid bosses, like an arena, and then also cross-play with Xbox, and they'll probably bring it to to playstation i would imagine playstation would would want a popular game on their platform so oh yeah um i i do think it's got staying power i don't think it's gonna fizzle out and go away but it might not it's not gonna i don't think it's gonna stay at the, the heights it's at in terms no. of popularity yeah i mean, I I remember... mean it really depends on what comes next right because i think i think what we're seeing right now could very very quickly turn into the situation we saw with um halo infinite right where it's like the multiplayer had it's like uh beta test weekend and everyone was like holy crap like this is really fun this is halo's back like you know and then you get through 
season one, which was kind of slow and not received super well. And then, you know, it, it like it, it kind of has had a resurgence now and it feels like it's coming back. But obviously it wasn't able to maintain that momentum the entire time. You saw the same thing with Diablo 4 earlier this year, right? Where like it had a successful launch. It reviewed really well. And then when it came time to support it post-launch, it, it stumbled. And again, it seems like it's back on track. It seems like everything's cool now. So I think to your point, Steve, I think there's a very real chance that this game, you know, continues to grow. And maybe it sets a new record for number one for these next couple, you know, weeks as people get into it and they get new friends into it and they discover everything that it has to offer. But, you know, we're very, very fast approaching a point where the extremely active player base is going to hit max level and they're going to fill out their pal uh, decks, uh, the Pokedex, whatever. You know, you get, you know what I'm saying. They're gonna, they're gonna, hey, they're gonna. Don't know the Pokemon here, company here. They're, they're already, they've already got a, a very close eye on this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, point. You know, but but like they're they're gonna hit that point where they run out of things to do, and you know, we know for a fact that um, the Power World team is not a big studio, right? Like they they are um a pretty hundred and ninety million. Like you know, I know Pocket Pair's like tiny, but you get hundred and ninety million. 200 million dollars you know you can hire support staff you yeah can, and, and, you can and i guess that's the, to, to give you a hand yeah and i guess that's the question though right is like they made all this money they have all this attention on the game i'm sure they weren't expecting it to be as successful as it was so like are they going to be able to bring people in and start scaling up in such a way that they can keep up with that demand and keep that player base engaged even if it's not the entire player base but enough of a player base to keep it healthy you know, long enough to get to that 1.0 and have a, a bigger proper release. Um, like something like Baldur's Gate did, right? Where it came out in early access and it really excited people. And then it maintained that interest quietly over the course of several yeah. years. And then it had a, a really big launch at 1.0. Um, I mean, I, I think if this game doesn't run into legal trouble and, you know, all the stuff that we talked about on Nintendo Noise uh, doesn't end up, you know, kneecapping it, I think that that's probably pretty likely because they do have all these resources now to hire more people and double down on, on the game and, and to try to, you know, develop new characters and develop new systems and come up with a roadmap for what does, you know, like a season two look like and, and whatever, right. Whether that's adding to the map, maybe that's making new maps, all kinds of things that they could do with it. Right. Um, and, and to Max's point, it's a thriving genre, right? Like there's clearly an audience out there for this type of game. And this is now currently the new most popular one. And that probably won't last, but it doesn't really need to be the most popular one to be successful and have staying power. It just needs to have, you know, um, a dedicated base and a steady, you know, content plan. And to your point, Steve, like they seem to have a content plan and, you know, seemingly they were able to put this game together in a pretty small amount of time and it looks high quality. Um, so I, the idea that they could spin up other new stuff in a, a similar amount of time to keep people engaged is I think not unheard of, right? Like it's, it's a lot of ifs. There's a lot of, you know, um, question marks there for sure. But I don't know. I mean, this could easily be a thing where they collapse under their own, their own weight, especially if they do end up in a, a legal battle. Um, because yeah. I think that's something I mean, where that $200 million is going to dry up really quick. If you're trying to scale up your team and pay for legal fees, but yeah, whether or not that actually happens, I think, is a really big if. I think that people have misunderstood this statement, and I think it's also due to bad reporting. I think they've, you know, people have been probably hammering them constantly with, like, 
you know, rec- uh, messages and requests and sort of reports yeah. and saying, look, they've stolen this, blah, blah, blah. You know, trying to get their attention for some reason that like they haven't noticed this game exists. So Nintendo also, the Pokemon company have, have come out and said, okay, thanks for all the reports. We're, you know, we'll, we'll look We're into it. We're aware of the situation. Yeah, basically to stop people from constantly reporting it. But what yeah, people I agree. think that means, is, or, or what the reporting is, is that Nintendo are actively looking for reasons to try and take this game down, which I don't think is the case. They took down that one... Um, the mod that had actual Pokemon in it, they were charging for by a patron, Patreon, Patreon, yeah. Fair enough, take that down. People have tried to claim that this game has been, they've, they've already fought off Nintendo like twice, uh, or, or the Pokemon Company twice before release, which I cannot see any evidence of, so I don't know who's where that information is coming from. I think if that was the case, I don't think Microsoft would have, you know, got them on there was Game a Pass, would have it on their platform, I don't think Steam would have it on there, you know. Like yeah. I mentioned on, the, on Nintendo Noise this week that only a few months ago we were talking about the fact that dolphin wasn't allowed to be on the store because right. it had like nintendo's ip in there and and valve contacted nintendo to make sure they were the, okay with it there was a quote from the ceo that said that they had already like um been reviewed basically like they had had their stuff reviewed for this sort of thing and that they you know they basically feel like they are legally yeah. in the right you know um which that's, I guess, going to be the question. But the point that I made on Nintendo Noise that I think is an interesting one, because I've seen a lot of people be like, well, they're not going to take them to court um, if they don't know that they can win. That's not that important. Um, there is a, a rich history of companies taking smaller companies to court to bankrupt them, not because they think they can win, because they know that they're bigger and they have more resources than they do. Mm-hmm. So like or, Nintendo or, or and Peter Thiel taking people to court, you know, just sure. bankrupting an entire news organization. Uh, you know, right, totally. Um and, you know, the the reality is that if Pokemon company and Nintendo get to a point where they are just not willing to put up with this anymore and they think that the press is annoying or that they don't like that a game that, you know, is being associated with their child-friendly IP has you know, guns or this or that or whatever, like they could decide that it's worth it to, you know, take them to court for a few years and be confident that they will just not live like last through the battle because Nintendo has, uh, you know, uh, um, we've talked about this all the time. They have like a, a war chest of like over a billion dollars that they can spend and they could. Yeah, go but to we court. also spoke on yesterday's show, right? About who's going to be doing it. Is it going to be Nintendo? Is it going to be the Pokemon company? It seems like maybe we have Probably an a joint effort, now, I would imagine. It's, right? Yeah, it's going to be across all of them, you know, creatures, yeah. Game Freak, Nintendo, those three together as, as the Pokemon so, company. But you, you mentioned, Pete, that you kind of feel this game looks quality and feels quality. How, what's your impression of the game running on the deck? I presume you're playing, yeah. uh, that's why you're playing it. Like, I played it hundred percent on general feel. Oh, yeah. really? I yeah. Okay, I've, I've exclusively been playing it on steam deck. So when I, when I picked up the game, my initial plan was to play it on deck because, you know, I, like I figured that there was going to be folks in our audience that were interested and would want to know how it ran and everything. And my plan was I was going to play it there and then probably boot it up on my desktop to like do a comparison or see like, you know, if it was something that, um, you know, just to kind of, I guess, be able to give people an idea of like, where's the best place to play and like, how much are you compromising if you're playing it on deck? And, mm-hmm. um, specifically we actually, we had, uh, Gaz- Gazamondo over on the discord, right? And say, anyone tried power World on the steam deck yet? I downloaded it last night. I really like it. it seems to run fe- fairly well. That's been my experience so far, right? Like I, I said, I'm about 10 to 12 hours in. Um, I've experienced no problems, right? Like they, it has the playable 
mark on on deck officially um and the things that they highlight as like being the the problems or whatever that are not optimized are i think a lot of the very familiar ones that anybody that plays on steam deck regularly knows are not a big deal which are the like sometimes you might need to press the steam button and then x to open up the keyboard and it's like okay yeah. like that's fine like and again, how often am I doing that? Like, not a lot. If I, when I made my character, if I rename a pal, if I, you know, uh, make a sign in the game for other yeah. players, like, it's a pretty small number of activities where that kind but of thing is coming up anyway. Thing with that is that on a console, you'd have to have a keyboard come up anyway. So all you're doing is, yeah. is saying, I'd like to use the keyboard, please. Yeah, but so... it's manual. And, and some people, you know, I, I understand why Valve did it because some people might not have realized how to bring the keyboard up. And that if there you don't is have that, that prompt you telling do. you that that's what the shortcut is, you would never know that that was yeah, what it was. And I totally, I, I'm, I get that. But I think my point is to your, to agree with you, Max, is I think if you're a seasoned player, it's like, no worries, right? Like that's an easy yeah, thing for me to, to contend with. Um, so to talk there's a, about there's a new there's a new thing on the Steam Deck compatibility thing, and I don't know how long it's been there. I want someone to tell me, uh, either you or someone right in. It's a single player gameplay requires an active internet connection, and I did not know. I've never seen that, that before. before this game. No, I, I didn't know that existed until you just said it. So, yeah. I think it's a new prompt. Yeah, I I agree. Um, so to speak on like the performance overall, um, yeah, I mean. The only thing I've I've run into that is not, to me anyway, like my perception of how the game is supposed to run and be experienced has been um, the rare instance where there are a lot of models on screen. If there's a character that's far away, you get a little bit of that Pokemon Scarlet Violet thing where it's like, okay, like its frames are being cut by like a third oh, yeah. or something like that or whatever so it's like a draw distance thing but like Lego again Fortnite does that. that's just a, that's just a that is just a thing that games need to do sometimes and, 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 and i would say it's very par for the course for mm. a handheld like the deck right like you expect yeah. it to have that level of limitation so i think mm -hmm. for me like yeah like that if, if that's the worst thing you're experiencing which in my you know 10 12 hours of gameplay so far that's the worst thing i've experienced um i think that's really good right like i think that's that's where you want it to be um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it runs really well on deck and I think if, if, uh, you know, you're a fan of this style of game, um, like it's, it's, I could totally easily see why people are getting so sucked into it and playing so much of it. Cause I was talking about it on Nintendo noise. Like this historically is not really my genre. Like I've played, um, the forest and I've played a bit of rust and I, you know, I played a bit of arc. Like I, I've played a number of these games, but usually I'm like the friend that gets pulled in by the friends that are playing more seriously. And I play for a couple of weeks and I'm like, all right, great. I'm, I'm good. Right. This is not necessarily for me. There um, are a few games that I've done that with. <laughs> this game, I think has a lot of things that make it a lot easier to get into. If you are, have been alienated by that genre in the past, like for starters, there is a single player mode and you can toggle it online on or off. So like in the early stages of the game where you're trying to get your feet wet and learn the mechanics and play through the tutorial, you're not going to like have to worry about some high level level player coming in and kicking your teeth in every couple of minutes. Um, so like, that's something that I think it benefits from a lot. And the tutorialization is actually really, really good. Like it has a very good onboarding process of like, your first goal is to like build this, um, build like a crafting bench and like make your first couple items. And like, this is how you collect resources and this is how you do combat. And like, by the time it was getting to a point where it was teaching me how systems worked, where it's like, okay, like you can have 
uh, a logging camp at your base or like a mine thing and you need pals that have those abilities to operate them i was like okay like you taught me each of these systems in a vacuum to a point where you didn't actually have to tell me how systems worked i knew how the individual things worked and it was like it just clicked and i was like oh like that's really smart like it, it mm -hmm. uh, feels a lot like um the base building or something that you might get in like cult of the lamb or something like that or you know one of those types of games where it's like it's the the world uh not world um like city building sim management type thing connected with a loop of combat because the way mm -hmm. that i've found that i'm playing the game is i have my base right and whatever you know you're, you're leveling your base up as you play through the tutorial and the tutorial ends with you beating a boss that's like at the top of this tower or whatever um which i'm like just about to go do and uh, i probably am taking longer than i need to to do it because i've just been getting into the systems a little bit and i wanted to be able to talk about them a little bit more and i think um the the flow has worked really well for me like especially as like a tv game where it's like okay like i'm at my base and you know i have all my gear and you know i have you know uh like eight i think now pals that i can have at my base at a time doing different tasks so i have like a couple that are they have specific jobs where it's like you know i have like a chicken that is like laying eggs so that i can keep having food being cooked so that all my workers are being fed right and like i don't ever have to like feed them it's just like it's on a you know i've built a system that maintains itself now and then there's like some pals that can do multiple things so like i have a couple that like can chop wood and move stuff and water plants and then i have some that can move stuff and uh you know mine for rocks and then harvest plants right so i have like a couple of them that can trade off tasks as they like need to so that i have just like this this perfect machine where like wood is always being generated stone is always being generated food is always being generated and then if i need to turn any of those resources into something else right like to craft uh like the balls that you use to catch pals right or like to craft um like as you get down the line right you you unlock like guns and all that other stuff right you need like uh to be able to smelt the rock into ore and then you can take that and turn that into steel and like build nails and like all this other kind of crap right and I can see how each system is like simply building on top of the other. And when I say simply, not that it lacks depth, but that it's not as alienating as it's felt for me in games like Minecraft, for example, where it's like getting from that point of like, I'm in Minecraft and I'm I'm chopping stuff down and I built my first house to I'm underground, I'm collecting redstone and I'm building mine carts, right? And it's like, they don't, and like, I haven't played Minecraft in a long time. There's probably a better onboarding process now, but Not I remember sure. at the time feeling like I don't, I don't see how I get from where I am to where I'm going. Whereas I can look at this game and I'm looking at the stuff I'm going to be unlocking at level 60 or whatever. Right. I'm at level, I think 12 or 13 now, maybe. Um, and I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I can see how, I'm building a base and now like the next thing I'm going to unlock is like walls. Right. And I'll be able to like build uh, traps that go on the wall so that when monsters come and attack my base at night, all me and my guys don't need to wake up and go fight. I can have an alarm that goes off and this thing will happen. And like you, the, the way that each system plays into each other system works really well. And it fixes a lot of the things I've historically not liked about these kinds of games because 
I like that a lot of the like building and and some of those like the um management and stuff that you need to do in games like Ark to actually like unlock the cool dinosaur that you're going to ride around or whatever, right? Like so much of that is streamlined because the game the moment to moment gameplay of like running around the world and collecting things and fighting and discovering new monsters and stuff all feeds back into how you build your base. It doesn't feel like two different things where I'm like, I'm out collecting resources to build my base in a game like Ark Shore, but there is that, that real sense of like, I also need to constantly be defending my base or it's going to get toppled over, right? And like, I guess that is the case here, but because I'm able to learn and grow and like level up my character and build my resources uh offline or not offline but like in a solo world it's made it a lot easier for me to orient myself in the gameplay and figure out like what are the things i want to be doing aside from the thing the tasks it's trying to funnel me towards whereas i feel like most of these games uh do kind of have that inherent like like we're just gonna drop you and like you figure it out like you build whatever base you want to build oh, you know, in the forest, right? These guys keep coming and attack you at night. If you go and follow them, you can get back to their base. Or if they capture you, you'll wake up in their base. And then, but like this game is from the very beginning, it's like, hey, your ultimate goal of this tutorial is to get to the top of that tower and fight this boss. And we're going to teach you how to be strong enough to do that. But how you do that is going to be up to you and where your base is and how you're interacting with the world and which uh, pals you're going and capturing to set up your systems and like what stuff you're going to prioritize building and everything is all like up to you, you know? And it's like, I think it's wide enough for there to be opportunities for discovery and player expression, but it is narrow enough that it doesn't feel like you step into this game with just like dozens and dozens and dozens of systems that you don't understand and you don't understand how they relate to one another. And that's a thing. I think a lot of these games, especially in early access, right? Like, often leave me feeling is kind of like okay like there's things here that i'm enjoying and ideas here that i'm responding to but like to what end am i playing like how am i progressing whereas like in this game there is such a steady path that i see i'm mm -hmm. following and like it makes it more rewarding and it's easier to get in that like oh i'll do one more loop i'll, I'll get one more thing built i'll get one more oh i need to get this item that i can only get if i go to this part of the map and fight this type of monster great let me head over there do that and i can set all this up and then the next time i play i'll be ready for my next thing you know like that loop is is working for me and i went from in nintendo noise this week being like yeah you know this isn't really my genre i'm playing it for the show whatever like i'm gonna put more time into it so i can talk about it too last night i stayed up until 3 30 and i didn't mean to do that it was just like oh shit like i played this game a really long time you know <laughs> and i just got into it and it got you yeah got and, in you. and i think regardless of the other the things i can point to and say like this works for me or this doesn't work for me or, or whatever whatever i still don't know that this is like my genre or a game that's going to be on my game of the year list or anything like that but like it does remind me a little bit of how i felt with like a game like cyberpunk where i'm like yeah i'm sitting here criticizing it but i finished it so like obviously it's pretty good right like i bounce off games that I think have cool vision and ideas all the time. And I don't like them. Whereas like mm -hmm. clearly this gameplay loop is speaking to me or I wouldn't have done it for six hours in a row. 
yeah, I, I, I have games like that where I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm really feeling this. And then like you say, like you, you five hours later, you're like, well, maybe I'm feeling it somewhat. I must more be. than I thought, right? Like... Yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna, um, say the last sort of game of this or like the last survival game that I played. I played Valheim, loved Valheim, waited for new content to come out, which took so long to come out that eventually I just never went back to Valheim. Right? V yeah. Rising came out. Me and a few friends all bought V Rising. We were like, let's let's play this game. Um, and then I found that like while I was enjoying some of the bits, I was enjoying the the collecting new abilities and going to dungeons and stuff like that that you do in that game. What I didn't like, which is a core thing of the game, is building my base, having to be feeding um, like enemy parts into my base to keep it alive or it will start to decay, and also be having to worry about other players on the server coming and destroying my shit. Right? That was the that was the thing that. Um, I didn't like about that game. I wanted to play it like Valheim where I was playing it single player by myself or with friends where we could just hop in and out of the server together, do some work, hang out. The only threat we have is the enemies um, and our base isn't like constantly dying because that means it becomes work. I have to log in every day to make sure that I'm feeding the stuff. Oh, I've got to go get resources. Otherwise, my base is just going to die. If I have a week off, I have to start again. Where does this game land in that sort of thing? I know you said yeah. that you sort of, once you get enough powers, they start to sort of feed off each other and it becomes sort of, a, you know, it starts to uh, automate itself in a way and a lot sooner than a lot easier than Minecraft does like, from the sound of it. Does this game allow you to have that downtime or allow you to take that time out or allow you to do things that aren't just managing the base, keeping it alive? Yeah, and I think that's why I like it. It's like, I think to me, it and, and like, don't get me wrong, it's it's 100% a survival game, right? And if you were, pl if I was on a server, like if, if I turned on online and then my server was getting populated with other players and everything, I think it would immediately turn into what you're describing. And I think for the people that like that kind of game, um, that's great because it's there. But I think for people like you and me, um, the way I'm playing it feels a lot more akin to, like I brought up Cult of the Lamb earlier, right? And like, to me, that game is very much like, it's a light base town building management type game mixed with a light roguelite. And I think this game feels like when you play on single player without, you know, online, um, or I guess without collaborating with other players too, it feels to me akin to that same kind of base, you know, management kind of sim game. Uh, but instead of combined with like the roguelite of it all, I mean, I guess it is still kind of like that, but it's like the uh, third person open world Breath of the Wild style like action adventure game mixed with that formula instead. Because like you have a glider, you have a bow and arrow, you have like a spear or all these other like weapons that you can like eventually upgrade. And like, obviously, you're, I'm going to get to a point where there's crossbows and guns and all this other shit. Um, and it's like, I think the way that that plays out, like it feels way more akin to just like that kind of like open world checkboxy type experience. But it's not that because, you know, you're the one deciding what the goal is and what you're building towards. Right. And like mm -hmm. what you want to prioritize building out your base. So I think um, if you like the the moment to moment of of those games that you described but the thing that was turning you off was like i don't want a job like i don't want to have to treat this like an mmo where i have to log on and protect my stuff every day right or every couple days or whatever or have like a group of friends that are willing to maintain it right like um i don't want to do that kind of stuff i i don't like That's playing one video game religiously enough to play a game like that the way you're supposed to play it so this, to me, I think, in the same way that, like, 
Um, I responded to Cult of the Lamb because it was like, oh, like, I kind of like that it's a little bit of like a diet roguelite because I'm not the biggest fan of that genre sometimes, you know, like I would have runs in Hades where I'm like, I love this fucking game, but like, man, I played this game for two hours and I made no progress. And like, yeah, that is frustrating. Whereas like in Cult of the Lamb, it was very easy for me to be like, hey, even if I have a bad run, like I got something, I got some resources that I can put into my town and I can spend 20 minutes here furthering my overall goals and then go back out and see what happens the next time. And like, that's what I'm doing with this game, right? Like I am constantly venturing forward in the map to try to unlock new fast travel points. And I basically play until I die. And then I fast travel as close to my body as I could. I go and pick up my shit. And then I try to run around and get, and get home, you know? And like, that's kind of been the way I'm experiencing it. And because uh, I am enjoying the base building stuff because that is making my, ro- it's the roguelite of it all, right? Of like, well, I build out the base because when you build out the base, I have better weapons. So the next run is going to be more successful and I'm going to make it further, right? I'm going to see more of the map. Or I'm going to discover new creatures or I'm going to beat a new boss or, or whatever. Um, so I think, I think it probably would speak to you in that way, because I think that's kind of the thing that is working for me is that like, it's taking the conventions of this genre that do work for me and presenting it in a way where I don't have to engage with the stuff that, um, ends up, you know, like not even necessarily like turning me off. Cause I mean, I guess it is that ultimately, but it's also just like, like you said, like if you take a week off and you have to start over, it's like that's I don't I'm not gonna do that. I just won't because it's yeah, like that is the fastest way to turn me off from a game. I've achieved nothing then, right? It's like I've spun my yeah. tires. And like I for me, I've always felt that like if I'm playing that, it's the reason I don't like MMOs, right? Like if I'm playing a game like that where the point is uh to not ever really advance, I want it to be like a prestige rank-based game like League of Legends or Halo or something like that, where like yeah, like, the point of the game is to play a match and have fun for 45 minutes and then move on, right? It's not, oh, I need to play this a certain amount and get my dailies and feed this monster and do this, or I'm never yeah. going to get the mount that I want, and I'm not going to get this. And it's like, the way you unlock everything is just on a standard skill tree as you level up. You get technology points, uh, and then, like, rare technology points, and you, like, unlock these different uh, new things you can build or craft as you go, right? And you get to pick what you choose, it's seemingly you can unlock it all eventually, but like, you know, um, like right now, right? Like I found a pal uh, that I was using and I found out that I could like make a, um, a saddle for it so that I could ride it. And I was like, well, great. I have this pal, so of course I'm going to craft this item because it'll materially let me get around quicker. There's like three or four other ones I could have crafted, but I didn't have any of them. So it's like, great, I'll pick this and I'll pick that. And, oh, I want to I want to build this incubator because I found a bunch of eggs and I want to you know, get some new monsters and like, that's what I'll prioritize. So I need this item. Okay. Well, let me go here where they're all the water monsters are that, cause I need this thing that they drop when they die. Right. And just, you know, you can kind of like set whatever it's like, uh, the thing I like about breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom of like, okay, like wh- what am I doing right now? Like, what do I feel like doing today? I'm going to clear out shrines. Great. Let me go in that direction. Or I'm going to fill out more of the map. Great. Let me walk off in that direction. You know? Um, and I've had situations where like I'm doing something and then I get sidetracked because I, I discover a new item or this other thing. And I'm like, Oh cool. Like let me shift gears and focus on that goal now. And I never feel penalized for that. It's always very easy to just be like, great. Like I'm going to just chase whatever is the thing that is most interesting or exciting in this moment. And that lack of obligation, I think is kind of what you're talking about, right? Like it's, it lets you just appreciate the systems for what they are and kind of just have this like low um 
low stakes gaming experience where you can feel like you're having this nice steady progress. And I, I, that I like about it a lot, you know, and it, uh, it removes a lot of the minutia, I think of some of those games without removing the depth of the systems. And I mean, take my opinion on that with a grain of salt, as I said, right. I'm not the biggest survival person. I've not really gotten to the depths of a lot of what those games have to offer. Um, so maybe this will feel shallow compared to somebody who's like gone all the way in on something like Ark. But like, I think for me, that probably speaks to why people... it's successful is that it, it is approachable. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, which I think is why Pokemon's successful, right? It's like it's a stepping stone into JRPGs in general. Yeah. Like, so maybe many people Pablo like affectionately call it that. baby's first JRPG, yeah, right? Like, it it's, is, it's, yeah. It's a gateway drug, you know? <laughs> some, some people apparently don't think it was um, easy enough, though, because they put a statement out saying that some players were, were confirmed to be cheating on the official server, so they're going to have to put a patch out. I don't know why you'd cheat in Power World. It's like, yeah. to, to grief people, probably, right? To, like, make other players not have fun, right? To just, like, oh, I'm going to have unlimited health, and I'm going to come to your base and kill you and take yeah. all your stuff. And it's like, that's fun. Like you get the people in Dark Souls that appear and you're like, that guy's wearing no armor. I'm about to die. Yeah, <laughs> you're just here to grief me, right? You're going to show up, just absolutely decimate my ass they, and then leave. Maybe found with a giant hammer, I'm dead. <laughs> and like, yes, I mean, to me, I don't see myself doing that. I don't see myself turning on the online because I don't really want to see other players. Like I, I'm, it, I'm working towards the goals that I'm working towards. And like, that's where I'm finding the fun. So I think the fact that the game allows you to do that is pretty cool. Like, I think that that's a, a, an empowering way to um, give people that power of choice to kind of find the fun how, however they want to. And, you know, I'm sure some of these other games that I've played maybe have modes like that now, too, as well. Um, but I think there being, like, the pals also helps that because I think running around in a world where you're supposed to have companions all by yourself can feel really lonely. And the fact that, like, you always have, like, a team of, of pals with you and that, you like, your base is always filled with NPCs running around doing little jobs and stuff. The world feels alive even though I'm by myself. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. Uh, now, I had a question. I had a question. Do you know what? I've forgotten it. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. I'll, I'll probably think of it then. Last, I did have a question earlier. I'll, last thing I'll touch on, and I mean, you know, we can talk about it more in the weeks to come and everything you know i'm sure i'm sure it won't be the last time we talk about the game um i know steve wanted to ask a little bit about the unreal engine 5 of it all um and i mean i, I spoke about the performance so i mean i i just do want to point out that like this is a, a ue5 game and i believe it's the first ue5 game we can play on deck um and there's there's, there's a bunch of like smaller titles but it's the okay. first like really big unreal engine 5 game that i can think of that's not fortnite okay um, yeah i I don't know how much of the kind of Unreal Engine 5 core tech is being used. Doesn't seem like Nanite's really there. I don't know if Lumen's being used. So it could be that they're just, you know, maybe they started as an Unreal Engine 4 game and they just upgraded it and moved it over. Or it could be that they're just using it as, you know, a standard engine and they're not taking advantage of any of that new tech. But at the very least, I'm, I'm pleased to hear that it it's running well and working well because I kind of thought that Unreal Engine 5 games were off limits at all. So I think if Seemingly bigger not. games, yeah, and if bigger games that are working with Unreal Engine 5 that maybe are using Cortex like Lumen or Nanite, 
can have in modes that kind of scale it back and scale back the way that lighting's rendered and things like that. Maybe it's possible that we'll continue to play Unreal Engine 5 games on deck for, for years to come. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if this is any indication, then I would say, yeah, I feel pretty confident that at least a, a good percentage of them should work pretty well. Because, like I said, you know, I've not had any crashes. I've not had any any issues like that. Um, I've even, like, left the game idle, like, uh, like and turned it off and turned it back on. And, like, I've never played an online game that let me do that and had, didn't have it, like, immediately throw up. Like, so it's, like, it seems to run pretty solidly, you know, for a, for a new game made by a small studio. Um, it, it makes me think that, yeah, like, bigger, more experienced teams should not have a problem optimizing UE5 games for deck. You know, uh, b based on this small sample size, right? So hopefully that's the case. All right, so we got some more Steam Deck conversation ahead of us in just a second. But before we do that, let me remind you that this episode of the Steam Deck podcast is brought to you by our Patreon producers for the month of January. For the last time, they are Arnold J. Rimmer, Christopher Valenz, Earth Visitor, Gabriel Hasmeyer, a.k.a. Sobe, Snacky Ghost, Steve Stompy, Susan Likes Cats and also Boobies, Ty the Dude, and Wakaula. Thank you all so much for your support over on patreon.com slash flipscreengames. You're all the real to the real, and we greatly appreciate your support of this and all of our sister shows. Remember, if you want to go above and beyond and show your support just like they did, if you want to write into the show and get your thoughts right on the air, if you want to go and check out some of our sister shows, including Nintendo Noise, where we talked all about the legal issues surrounding Pal World this week, guess what? You can do all that and much more by heading over to flipscreen.games. That's our website where you will find links to all the places you can get involved in the community or show your support all over the web. However you choose to get involved, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Steam Deck Podcast. And remember, if you want to write in with your thoughts on Pal World, if you're playing the game, how you've been getting on with it, I'd love to hear from you and hear you know, what it is about the game that you're connecting with. Are you playing online? Are you playing it like me? You know, um, I, I love the to yellow from... Snorlax with the, with the big teeth. I like the one who's like Snorlax, but you know. he's like he he reminds me of my neighbor Totoro. You know the Miyazaki yeah, film. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fun fact, Wait, I, I got him right here. Was, why did I think that was actually a Electabuzz? Because it looks like an Electabuzz and a Pikachu and a Snorlax oh, and, yeah, and Totoro like all combined. <laughs> kind of. to... God, yeah, they're all Pokemon, aren't they? Yeah, I yes, I've, they're I've, all Pokemon. I've, really yeah. not, uh, I've only seen like a few of them. I'm like, oh yeah, I can see how. Oh, there's you an EV in the trailer, yeah, Garrett. Go watch, go watch, go watch Nintendo Noise and see some of the breakdowns. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to watch it before this, but I didn't get a chance. I've seen one clip of um of a, a guy. He's got a bow and arrow and he's firing at, at things. And then I was like, okay, cool. So he's 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 got a bow and arrow, whatever. Pulls out his pal, and the pal's just like side arming a, a gat. So he's like bow and arrow, and the Pokemon yeah. just comes with it. Sorry, sorry, the pal comes with a gun, and I was like, "All right, this is I weird. just this unlocked an thing. ability for there's like a little squirrel guy, and it's like he will ride around on you with a gun and shoot people." And I was like, "Okay, great, I guess I'm getting to the guns now." <laughs> like, yeah, such a weird fucking choice, but we'll see. Can't wait because I know I know there's a lot of people who are like, "There's some real weird animal cruelty stuff in here," and I'm like, "I haven't seen any of it really yet, aside from I guess like forced labor, but like." I don't know. We'll see. It's 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 dark. There's some dark stuff in this game for sure. But you know, Pokemon is mm. is glorified cockfighting. So I don't, you know, yeah, I don't know. Is. We can't we can't judge people in glass. Yeah, and then they also work everywhere. Like they work in like a cafe, or they work to be nurses. Yeah, they're like, not getting paid. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But they don't they don't get shot. So I I really think that is. that, that really definitely is. makes it 
ring a little bit differently. And the chance he's working harder than Nurse Joy. You know, you know, absolutely. You know it is. Yeah, that, they're the backbone of that medical system, and that's why. You know what? That's fine. We're gonna drop it there. <laughs> I'm gonna throw to Steve. We'll talk about Power World next week, uh, and, and I guess your insane Pokemon theories, if you want. But uh, so, what was it? Two weeks ago, I guess, was when we had Bob on the show, and we talked about uh, the new iNeo device, the uh, Next Light, that um, was going to be the first non-Steam Deck portable PC powerhouse to uh, run a version of Linux. It was well, using... yeah. Initially, it was like it's going to run Steam OS, and then they're like. Oh wait, no, it's not really Steam OS, it's Hollow ISO. Oh, ISO. But, you know, yeah. Right. Um, so you know, that uh that ended up uh, you know, we 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 broke that whole story down originally with Bob two weeks ago. So if you missed that one, you can go check it out. Uh, but there is a update on that story today because I and Neo made a statement over on um Twitter and they announced that. Come on, come on. I wrote it here in the document. I said I and Neo on X. And you looked at it and you're like, I'm not calling it X. No, I'm not calling it. <laughs> he doesn't call it that. He doesn't just read what's on there. He reads, he processes, and he corrects. Yeah. Look, the only the the best I can give you is I'll call it the the artist formerly known as Twitter. If you want, we can print it, but I'm not. No, then we just need to come up with a symbol for it, like Prince did. Eventually. Yeah, that's what he, he just... did, and it's yeah. a fucking X, and now it looks like a porn website. That's fine. <laughs> anyway, no, and by the way, no shame, not king shaming. That's fine. Go watch porn, but maybe don't make your website's logo look like one unless that's what you're selling. Anyway, uh. So, Ioneo made a statement on the artist formerly known as Twitter, and uh, they have now announced that it's going to be shipping with Windows 11 instead. So, the most notable thing about this product is now no longer true about it. Um, I want to, I have some thoughts and some questions about this, but before I say anything else, I want to throw to you, Steve, because you were not on that episode. You did not get to talk about the, this story, really. Mm. I read some of your thoughts for everybody, but like, what do you think about this? Are you surprised by this move? Do you think that this has anything to do with uh, some of the legality that we ended up discussing on that episode? Like, what's your read on this situation? So I don't think there was anything illegal with Hollow ISO. They could freely ship that. It's an open source project. They can put that on whatever they want. And maybe there's some, like, um, some GPL stuff in there that they'd have to provide access to the source code, but they can do that. It's on GitHub. I know they've modified it themselves. I'd imagine they can share the modifications as well. Um, but I, I never really sat right with me. You're relying on Ioneo to continue updating an open source project, which is taking components from SteamOS, which is then relying on Valve to keep publishing those components and making those open source. I never really liked it. Um, it was a real disappointment when it was it, it came out that it was actually Hollow ISO rather than Steam OS. Yeah, I was just um, they'd have been they'd have been much day. better off using something like Bazai or whatever and putting that on here or even just Arch. I I'm I'm surprised they went with Windows 11. It's probably going to make the device a little bit more expensive or at the very least eat into their profits a little bit because they're now going to buy Windows 11. 64-bit home edition licenses for every single one of these devices, but um, considering they they're in price OEM, adjustment, are they going to make it? Are they just going to eat that cost? I'd imagine they're just going to well, eat the cost. They're an OEM. They've probably got shitloads of keys that they bought. Yeah, yeah. It won't be like buying 
a new license every single time will it they'll be they'll have like they were made a they'll have bought like an enterprise level key and that'll run a certain number of times sort of thing yeah but their their statement said real gamers no gamers and in response to this valuable feedback we're pleased to announce that the ioneo next light will come pre-installed with the genuine windows 11 64-bit home edition operating system so that obviously people were complaining about it um, but they've also said that players can still choose to install hollow iso on their own and that the official website will provide hollow ISO system images that are officially adapted and compatible for players to download and experience. So you can still install. You can still do what they initially you can still announced. still do it, yeah. Okay. But it, it's still a bit of a cop-out, right? It would have been nice to have an option when you purchase, like, do you want Windows? Do you want hollow ISO? And they just shove a different SSD in there or install something different on it for you. But I guess that, that makes production a little bit more tricky, and they probably don't want to go down that process. Just real um, quick. What the fuck's up with this real gamers, no gamers thing? What the hell is that? I think that's their, like, tagline, and they're saying that they're real gamers, so they know what you want. So, because they're real gamers, they know gamers, and so they but know Connor's that you actually want Windows 11. Yeah, but it's like, that's such a weird thing to say in this context, because what, because the actual, like, if you read the full statement, right, the, the sentence before that is, following the announcement of the operating system for INEO Next Lite, players and friends have shown great interest and engaged in lively discussions. Some players provided feedback indicating the continued preference for a Windows operating system. Quote, real gamers, no gamers, unquote. And in response to this valuable feedback, blah, 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 blah. So we know what you want because you told us what, 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 what you want. That's nothing. That's not I anything. I think it's poorly. I think it's just not very well like translated maybe or it's, it's maybe it's yeah maybe there's like some intent missed there or it's just straight up translated not not like localized or anything like that i also think there's some confusion there with like i think it must be a tagline but if you don't are not aware it's a tagline it comes off as weird it's it's capitalized so i assume that's the case there's a comma in there which is weird yeah you read no, it, i you think don't, you're just, right you don't read it as real gamers sure. no gamers, you read it as real gamers no gamers and it's like well, what does that mean but um <laughs> yeah it's a strange just feels like weird. a weird thing to say in this context oh, and I especially agree, yeah. like and, and you're probably right that it is just a victim of like poor translation. Um, but like it is, it is pretty funny. Like it, it reads oh, yeah. very like, oh, okay, we've heard you, the real gamers. Like what you want is Windows, and it's like, okay, shit. I mean, I think I'm a pretty real gamer over here on my Linux machine, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I really don't think Windows is the right operating system for these. No, it doesn't have a handheld mode. It's still bad. It's like terrible. And and it would have been such a differentiator for them against people like the rog ally like lenovo uh, i i just it feels so strange to me that they were backpedal on this because yeah they were kind of onto something i really um left wondering though when the hell we get one of these like why is why is the SteamOS installer not here yet and is valve ever going to release it they've said in the past that they wanted to work with other manufacturers to kind of push them push them out I'm just wondering if they've kind of changed tact internally a little bit. I don't know. Like it, it cause like when I, I'm a little fuzzy on the specifics too. Maybe you can help me max, but like, I remember when we were talking about this with Bob, like he found a page that was talking about some of the rules of like how you deploy he it was, but then he then uh, after the fact, he then sent us that information where he was like, Oh no, um, it is open source. Like he just missed a bit. Um, right. He was reading it as if as if only certain elements of it were open source and there were certain ways you couldn't use it. And then when he actually, after the fact, okay. we had a chat. Um, it was too late for us to do anything about it show-wise, but we had a chat where he was like, oh, 
Uh, actually, I've just seen this. How I can actually get it up right now. He said, looking into this a little more, it looks like SteamOS is open source, except for its Steam client program, which he says is basically the storefront he thinks. HollowISO changes that Steam client program to be a generic copyright free version. So we were having we were having questions about you know a lot of stuff, and it seems like that that cleared up. So that's actually perfect. That that gives me the context I was looking for. I wonder if that's a problem, right? Where like. Yes, it's open source and you can use it, but you need to, if the thing you're not able to do without licensing is the Steam store and that the primary storefront you're running through the OS is that storefront, does that mean that you're paying a licensing fee? Like, like as as where there's no license fee, it will, you can pre-install any app you want on there. And maybe, maybe why would they need to use the generic loader thing. then, though? Right? Like, you, they're, well, they're... it's not a generic loader. They they use a generic version of Steam that's downloaded rather than one that's custom built for Steam OS. So the Steam OS okay. one has additional things in there where you can modify the TDP and do things that you can only do on the Steam Deck. When you open Big Picture mode of the Steam client on your PC. Or on any other handheld, those those kind of additions are omitted. You don't really have that. Like it's, it used to be a cog, now it's like a, a battery icon. Um, that you can't modify those things. So I would imagine Ioneo was putting just the generic version of Steam or Steam on there. Maybe they were modifying it to allow you to adapt things like TDP or the fan speed stuff like that that you would kind of expect that they have in their iSpace launcher on their other handhelds. Um, or they could have been swapping it out for IS space. I don't know. Either way, they're still doing that work because the hollow ISO image is available on their website. Yeah. So I don't think there's any legality there. I think the issue really comes down to you probably just didn't understand it. I don't really want them maintaining a custom fork of an open source project. Right. Because this company puts out a million handhelds a yep. year. They're yeah. going to get they, as soon as they're on to the next one, they'll have forgotten about this in a year's time. Which we yeah, said about... Be, yeah, uh, Bob said yeah. that point. Of, like, I don't trust them to continue to support it long no, enough. No, not that at all. something that you can, like, really rely on. And, and like, yeah, it's like, I don't know. And it's, it, like, the reason I was bringing that up is, like, less to say, like, is there a legal reason these don't exist as much as, like, is there, is there a roadblock that we're not thinking of? Well, I found uh, an article from... Uh, November 10th over on PC Gamer, Dave James kind of did a bit of a breakdown. I'll put a link in the description. But Lawrence, it was an interview that Lawrence Yang was doing, and he said it's very high on our list and we're working on it, which is bringing SteamOS and making it available. But a lot of the same people that would make a general install of SteamOS available are the people that are making the Steam Deck OLED work. We're hoping soon, though, it's very high on the list and we want to make SteamOS more widely available. We'll start making it available to other handhelds with a similar gamepad controller first, and then further beyond that to more arbitrary devices. I think the biggest thing is just, you know, driver support and making sure that it can work on whatever PC it happens to land on. Because right guess, now, it's very, very tuned for Steam Deck. So I, I guess my question there is, right, and again, like, I'm literally just asking questions because I don't know the answer, right? And, and I, I think it's interesting to, to think about, like, you know, if, if I'm INEO, if I'm one of these other companies, right, Raj, that are making this stuff, um, are you worried that if you are running the Steam OS that you're inviting more direct comparison to the Steam Deck, whereas, like, having Windows is, like, a is a market differentiator that allows you to stand out? Mm -hmm. And then is there is there potentially a concern of, you I know... I kind of think um, that would work in their benefit, though, because... 
all the other devices they come with like vrr displays they're lighter they're like more powerful Mm -hmm. the the real thing that everyone moans about is it's got windows 11 on it and it's horrible and no one really wants to navigate a pc with their finger or uh, a joystick because they don't have trackpads either and then Lenovo is doing weird things with like their version of Joy-Cons. So you can kind of take them off and turn them into a mouse. They're doing the differentiation on the hardware side. And I think they'll continue to do that. They'd save money by shoving SteamOS on it. And it really kind of puts an, a nail to one of the Steam Deck's real kind of game-changing factors. And the reason why I think it's been so successful is you turn it on, it feels like a console. If you could do that with your ROG Ally or your Lenovo Legion Go, and yeah, you might have slightly worse battery life. You got a loud fan, but the trade-off is you can play more games because it runs at a higher watt TDP, and you know it's got a slightly more powerful chip in there. I don't know why you wouldn't, as a company, want to do that. I can see that's probably why I and Neo wanted to do that, um, but I just don't think they they did the right approach. It's not ready yet. I think they should contact Valve. They should work with them and say, look, this is what we want to do. Will you work with us to do it? I could see Valve working with a smaller company like Ioneo before they maybe work with the big guys like Asus or um, or Lenovo. I mean, if if they do, right? Because like I I I don't know. Like I, I guess I could see those companies not being super eager to jump in bed with Valve because it's like they are the they're they're the company they're trying to compete with, right? In the market, and also like those companies already have a relationship with Microsoft. Like they're already. You know, if you're if you buy a you know, um, right like hardware like pre-made hardware from any of those companies, right? Like it's it's coming with Windows on it, right? And they're like you said, they you know a lot of those companies probably have you know a deal to mass buy Windows keys and stuff like that. And there is this, I think if if Windows had a handheld PC mode that worked really well and it and it created a seamless console like experience like we do get with SteamOS three point five, um. I don't know that there would be a big incentive for a lot of those companies to switch over. Right. And I think like maybe they do see that as being valuable about being able to like have something else to offer. Right. Where it's like, you can play game pass on this thing out the box. You can do this. Yeah. Do maybe, like, maybe, but there's like, there's a couple of really big things that steam OS gives that I think people forget about one. You've got direct access to the steam store. You're there, your library's there. Yeah. But there's also like smaller things, right? It's got small, it's got a lower footprint. So some games may even run better than they do on windows. And the biggest thing for me that I would want that if I had one of these, because I looked at potentially getting like an ROG ally that would drive me mental is the fact that you can't put it to sleep when you're in the middle of a game. It just it just doesn't work. Windows doesn't work like that. You can't like then boot it back up and the game's there where you left off. The the work that Valve put in with SteamOS to get that to function, to get that to work, and the fact that you've got really two sides of the coin, that's the, the desktop PC mode that a lot of people probably have never gone into, and then also the the actual console side. I would love to see the percentages on that. How many people like have never ever opened desktop mode? I bet you it's not an insignificant number of people. No, yeah, I think that um, it's it's yeah the fact that I think a lot of people do just follow the unsupported supported you know the the verification stuff. But in in my time of recently of sort of delving into other Steam Deck communities and just sort of seeing what other people are doing, a lot of the people who who I don't know obviously this is all anecdotal evidence. A lot of people who are trying to do different things where they're like oh i'd like to try running this or i'd like to try running that the response people get is just install windows um which which is is odd to me but i do wonder if if the fact that they're opening it and it's linux 
is putting people off and therefore you know they wouldn't even bother trying to do it because because why you know they only they only know windows or they don't want to start messing around and learning something else i mean i i do think that there's that's probably part of it because like i i think that like os's are something that people are like very weirdly tribalistic about right like there is this kind of like i'm a pc person i'm a mac person i'm a linux person right and it's like and and like i get that too like on some level because i think like learning a new os is kind of like learning a new language from us come on phones are worse everyone's like in one camp or the other and i don't know why it's bizarre yeah and i mean it's like it's marketing and it's this and that and this and that right but it's like you know like one of the websites that we was our one of our sources today gaming on linux right like it's like you know team linux in our our chat right it's like a linux gamer like there that is there is a community of linux people and i think that in the same way that there are people that are like all my stuff's on steam and that's where my stuff is and i don't want to mess with epic and i don't want to mess with this i think there probably are people that feel that way about windows where they're like i already use windows i already know windows i don't want to mess around and figure out another thing i want this to fit into the ecosystem I'm, i'm already a part of and that like I can share things across devices and stuff, right? In the way that like my laptop and my desktop are, are connected and like can share things, right? Like that, the sharing things I can understand. But for me, I've never really seen this as much as it is a PC. I'm not doing work on it. I'm not sharing files. I'm not seeing it as that. The Steam Deck for me is a handheld console. Like I see I it as a console more than a PC. And the fact that I just open it up and I go, you know what, I want to play that game. I'm going to install it and it works because the stores told me that it works and it does and it's great. Or if maybe it doesn't and I go check out ProtonDB and I can look it up. But for the, for the majority of people, and maybe maybe the majority of people aren't buying these things, right? Maybe the majority of people aren't buying an ROG Ally or an, uh, certainly not an Ioneo next light i don't I mean they're that's not a, right a mainstream like, the, product that's a way like you think about what a minority of people it is that own the steam deck and it's an even more smaller niche of people that own an alternative to the steam deck right like yeah totally yeah i don't know we'll have to wait and see if we ever get one I, yeah i have a feeling that's probably on the cards this year if they were putting a lot of their resources in 2023 to get hdr support in and kind of support the the oled if that's not coming if we're not getting another revision in 2024 which i don't think we will then maybe this is where they dedicate their resources to finally getting out a general release of steam os or working with another manufacturer to get it onto onto their handhelds because it's it's really weird to me that they want that actually though it's not for me because like you get the steam store when you boot up a console in front yeah. of their face and um, people buy games and they get 30% on every single one. Yeah. And like, you're right about that. Like that's the, and that's their business, right? Like obviously and also it annihilates windows. Like the more people. Yeah. Steam, yeah. You're right. You're right. And, for that. and I guess that that does speak to the fact that like what you're talking about, like if steam is really trying to make a play here where they want steam OS to be like the de facto Linux launcher and be an, a viable alternative to windows for PC gamers, then like, Fair enough, and maybe that maybe that is the play, um, but it seems kind of wild to me because it's like obviously like when they partnered with manufacturers in the past for like the steam machines, like that didn't play out super well, and like the the wasn't simplicity and the idea, control. Though, I'm sorry, go ahead. That was not a fully baked idea, really. No, no, yeah, it was um, a product with an idea to to carry yeah. on doing it from there, right? And, and I think you're right about that. Like, it's not fair to judge you know, how this would play out based on how that played out. But like, 
I don't know. I guess like if I'm in their shoes, I'm looking at, well, that didn't work out so great last time. And we have the Steam Deck and we have like two versions of it at a time. And it's this super simple controlled product that we can communicate really effectively and we don't have a situation where some person wants to get into this ecosystem and they buy some device from Ioneo that runs our OS and then it craps out on them and they get turned off to the market like i just feel like if i'm them and i've created this niche that is so like it's this burgeoning six i'd, I'd kind of want to have a little bit of that like early Nintendo quality control of like I don't I don't think we should be like wanting maybe it's why it's taken that. them two years to get to this point you yeah know, it might be why why we're not seeing it there until... are the right partners presenting yeah. themselves maybe yeah like who's to say maybe all these companies came to them and were like yeah we're ready to do it and they're like no your product's bad and they're like all right we're gonna put it out anyway you know yeah could be well, maybe there's certain things that that Steam maybe they were like oh if you want to do this you know it'd be good if you had trackpad or it'd be good if you had xyz features they weren't willing to to commit to yeah that's a good they didn't point. see as much value in it as steam does because it affects the the design of it, it affects the way you hold it, it affects the way you use it stick placement things like this you mentioned you know? like trackpad first devices too so like maybe that's yeah maybe that is it right that they didn't want to spend money to increase build yeah. you know the build cost of, of yeah. something like this by putting trackpads on it always and... don't want to change the size of it they don't think that users are going to respond to them because yeah. I mean, i'm sure there are probably like you said about people that have never entered desktop mode there are probably loads of people who have never touched the trackpads on their steam deck because they've never felt a need to, or they're just like, oh, like, what do I even use this for? Because, you know, it's not obvi immediately obvious the sort of various uses and the different things you can do. Um, There's plenty of genres of games where, like, you're just probably not going to come in contact with them. Like, you exactly, could, yeah. but you, like, naturally wouldn't, right? Like, if mm -hmm. you're playing a lot of indie, you know, 2D games on your Steam Deck, you're probably not using the trackpads that often, yeah. right? And, like, fair enough. I very rarely use them in, in game. It really depends like, if I'm playing like an RTS or whatever, like Age of Empires, yeah. I was using them all the time. But for the majority of games, it's just you don't. But they're great for navigating like the operating system when you're mm -hmm. in desktop mode. Mm -hmm. they're, they're kind of incredible. And like being able to scroll with the left one, like an iPod is awesome. I've been yeah. playing, uh, I'm playing some old like PC games, Prince of Persia Sounds of Time and Prince of Persia Warrior mm. Within. Um, and... Um, the menus for that are all mouse and keyboard um still so just being able to you know instead of having to use the stick being able to just go and click on the bit i need to that was the that was the sound that it makes by the way um that's much nicer than having to go oh hang on now i'm in this menu i have to now instead of controlling the game like i would expect to want to control i now have to switch to controlling it with the mouse and keyboard but um yeah just having the trackpad to go click cool move on great yeah, that, that's that was the same when I was playing um, Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion, and um, that was that's all got just full named. You're not you're not that tight. You and Oblivion aren't tight like that that you can. But just I call love it Oblivion. Oblivion. No? There's probably some people who have no idea what it is and they've only ever played Skyrim. So you know, yeah, I want to I want to I want to prefix it with the Elder Scrolls. Yeah, um, so yeah, people yeah. know what the hell. I was hell playing the Elder is. Scrolls Arena the other day, and uh, why that Arena was that, that one? No, I was. That's, uh, a, deep cut. that's a deep oh, cut right there. <laughs> Man, I was, I think it's Arena. I was reading about that a, a couple of months ago, and it's like you can like go through like the entirety of like Tamriel or something. Yeah, it's, it's like, the the world is so big, and there's like so many NPCs, and I nuts. don't know how and why. I did a retrospective a little while ago, um, and I was I was like learning about this stuff for the first time, and uh, yeah, I was like, this feels made up. This feels like this isn't true, but there it was. There it was. Yeah, hmm. totally not. The arena was one of my favorite things in Elder Scrolls 4. I'm, I'm sad they took it out of Elder Scrolls 5. Like, it was going to be in there, but they took it out, which is really, really sad. 
Well, we've got Elder Scrolls Six to come. You Ten know. years from now, you'll get to play yeah. it. Uh, I know, I know it's God's not... busy executive producing Indiana Jones games. He's not got time yeah, for Alice I know it's not strictly uh, on topic, but can I just say that the games world is infinite. This is Arena. Um, and while the games manual claims you can walk from one village to another, it is actually infinite and requires fast travel to get between towns. Now, tell me that that doesn't sound like Starfield. <laughs> tell me they didn't lay, the, they, they didn't wow. lay the, the groundwork for Starfield in 1994 we've come full circle, beautiful it's achieved by combining procedurally generated content and specifically designed world spaces to create a realistic and massive wilderness, that's just, that's Starfield Starfield was Elder Scrolls Arena I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this Max, I really appreciate you saving your handbrake until the very end of the episode, I'm like literally I was right there, I'm like we're, we're about to wrap up but you know, it's better, cause the flow of the, sh it's, the show's done, it's good, you know you just get it out now you're lucky I've got a thumping headache and, and uh, I haven't, I haven't had <laughs> That's the only way to keep you in line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> any any final thoughts on this before we move out of here, right? Like, I, you know, uh, I, I guess for me, it's, it's, it's what you said, Steve. It's like, what is the future of Linux on handhelds from here? And it's like, it, are there going to be other folks that end up throwing their hat in the ring? Or is it just going to be a, a Valve party? And like, you know, I think honestly, either of those things is okay. I, I do too. I'd love to see more though. I think I really, really do believe in, in Linux gaming and I, and Proton's phenomenal and they've put so much work in to get this to be such an optimized experience for handhelds that more people should be able to experience that. And if they mm -hmm. want to buy a device from ROG uh, or they want to buy a Lenovo or an Ioneo device, they should be able to kind of take advantage of it. And hopefully this this is the year that that people will be able to. Uh, but kind of only time will tell because Valve seem to get distracted and jump onto yeah. other things. I think I'm with you in the. For me, I can't could not imagine using Windows full time uh, or as a um, on a handheld just purely because it's just not there yet. I think before until Microsoft puts the effort into develop a version of Windows that works well or has really great controller interface or it boots straight like into it or something like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, until they do that. Linux for me is the place to be in. And I say this as someone who didn't touch Linux apart from once using a Raspberry Pi until I used my Steam Deck, that now um, I couldn't imagine using a handheld uh, or, or sort of a, yeah, a handheld PC without it. Um, it's just come so Linux far in the last day. couple years too. You know, like I, I, I remember when I was in college, like I entertained the idea of like trying to get into Linux as a platform and it was just, it was, it was still primitive, you know? And it's like, I think, it's come so far in the last couple of years. And a lot of that has been from Valve's efforts. So it's like, it is exciting to think about like what, you know, when we get to the point where it can be a general launcher on a computer and like what the ceiling is from here. Cause I think, you know, there's a lot of devices that could, you know, it'd be really cool to see tablets built on it and, and stuff like that. And like get to see smaller companies be able to, you know, um, have like a more open source solution for some of this stuff. You know, we were talking with Bob about like some of the, like android based handhelds and stuff that are out there on the market like imagine a new wave of those that all run on linux and i'll take advantage of of steam and everything and it's like that could be really neat you know yeah it's, a, it's yeah, an I exciting mean, future i, I mean the, the android model is kind of kind of interesting because they have the android open uh, open source project but none of that none of the google stuff comes with it you have to pay google for the google services i mean yeah. that's a possibility that happens with steam os it could be that yeah you can have the operating system but if you want to pre-install steam and have steam on there and have the ability to control tdp directly from the ui and all of that stuff maybe that's when you've got to fork over a bit of cash to, mm -hmm. to valve as a manufacturer 
And that might be the obvious difference between a light, which is a, a system that just runs as it is, there it is, and then like a more pro model where you get that control um, mm -hmm. because they paid more and you have to pay more, therefore. We shall see. It'll be interesting. If y'all want to write in with your thoughts on what happened uh, here, or like I said at the top, your thoughts about Power World, I'm very excited to hear the community's thoughts on both of these uh these issues. I know a lot of people in our, our community have experimented with Windows, have have you know thought about some of these alternative devices and stuff. And, and I guess I'm interested to hear how you feel about this. Like, are you interested in getting a, a device that's not produced by Valve that runs on that OS? Like, what do you think are some hardware innovations that some other people could maybe bring to the table? Um, what what would it take for you to really consider another option? You know, um, I want to hear from from those of you who uh, are already thinking about this stuff. Because it's it's definitely an interesting topic, and would love to get some uh, some some of the community's thoughts on the internet for next week. So remember, if you want to write in, you can find all the ways to do that. Get involved in the community or show your support on Patreon by heading over to FlipScreen.Games. That's our website uh, where you can find all the ways to get involved. However, you choose to show your support or join the community. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Steam Deck Podcast. For the crew, I've been Pete. He's been Steve. All the way down there has been Max. We'll see you next week. <laughs>